0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour, bonjour. Ah, uh, It is a snowy winter day, very gray here, but the light is shining. The eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is in my awareness, and I am on fire. People have been saying, you are on fire this year. I do. I feel just this lifting up, this accumulation of uh, letting go. I'm really feeling it. Oh, my gosh. I'm just so grateful. And uh, I'm going to start us off with a blessing. So let's place our hand on our hearts and be grateful and thankful for the power of love operating in our awareness. In every activity of our life, the power of love is leading us, guiding us from within. We are grateful and thankful that the magnificence, the Christedness, the Christ nature, the wholeness, the beauty, the prosperity, the freedom, the creativity, the joy is already pre-installed. We already have it. We can't get any more of it. So we are willing to express it and to share the benefits with everyone because we're united forever in this eternal field of love. We are the field of love. And so we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Well, we're back to it this week with the obstacles to peace in uh, chapter 19, section 4. And we're continuing on. Uh, This is just such a rich, rich text and so important and valuable to us because that unconscious guilt... And looking at the attraction of guilt, that guilt itself has, any thought that we're thinking is a magnetic attractor in its its way. And so like attracts like is a fundamental law of the universe. So it's like water seeks its own level. It's like resonance coupling a resonance coupling is for instance if you have i've I've mentioned this a few times if you have a guitar in a room with a piano and you strike a chord on the piano the strings on the guitar will vibrate at that same level and we do that with each other unless 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 We have spiritual sovereignty. So for instance, one of the things that many spiritual students, myself included, say is we we think that someone brings us down or that something in the world upsets us. It's just not how it works. It's how it looks like it works. It, that is the illusion. That is the delusion. But it's really our thoughts about the things that bring us up or down. So, in other words, we can develop the spiritual strength to have dominion over our Thoughts, And that's what the responsibility for sight section that is so key to our transformation tells us. I am responsible for what I see and I choose the feelings I would have. So I'm responsible for what I see means I'm responsible for how I interpret things, how I make meaning of them. Full stop, that's how we transform and renew our mind, as we move into gratitude that we can recognize every time we're upset, we are responsible for the meaning we've made of it, for our interpretation, and we can have dominion over our awareness, we can have that spiritual sovereignty that we are the deciders of what we will think. And then we get some leverage and we can move right into that place of being in the flow of love. And now we are thinking with the the expanded mind, the I Am Presence, the Holy Spirit, listening to one voice. And that That is our path of awakening through a course of miracles, because when we're listening to that one voice when we're in tune with it, and it's not even that we're listening to it, we are it. we are that higher holy spirit self, not separate, so listening to our own highest and best choices, listening to the highest possibilities and opportunities in each moment to be the love. So we're no longer seeking love. We are finding it where it's always been, pre-installed. We couldn't have any more love, any more joy, any more peace, but we're blocking it with our thoughts of lack and limitation. And the the biggest uh, proponent of that is the unconscious guilt. So here we're talking about the obstacles to peace, chapter 19, section four A, and uh, we're into uh, paragraph fifteen here, paragraph fifteen. So let's let's just it's section four, A, paragraph fifteen. Moving through this section on the obstacles to peace and the attraction of guilt. Jesus says, If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. That is the recipe. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you. In other words, if you only extend love. And you focus on love, on compassion, generosity, beauty, wisdom, clarity, light. And forget everything you've ever interpreted or made up. If you're willing to practice that, then you will see... Fear no more. And I honestly can say this absolutely works. It's tried and tested, not just by me, but so many folks in Masterful Living, that's what they're seeing, the end of fear. The end of fear, the end of thinking there's something wrong with them, that they're bad, that they're unlovable, that they're not good enough, that they should be punished, that they're guilty and shameful. All of that is dissolving and resolving permanently back to the root causes which are these interpretations and meanings we've made of things i know i say it all the time i can't say it enough sometimes people have to myself included hear something thousands of times before we finally go oh i hear it now i i I hear it now I hear it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I once was lost, but now I'm found. So the next sentence here is, The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. And this is what I see. This is what I see uh, more and more every day, that regardless of what's happening, regardless of the The horrific war in Ukraine, regardless of many other things that are going on in this world that are unbelievably heinous, I can see the world in a different way now. I am willing, and our willingness is all that's required. The world contains no fear that you laid upon it. So we lay our fearful thoughts, born of separation and guilt thinking. And the world does not contain these thoughts. The world does not contain this fear, rather. And none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. So we don't have to remove fear from the world. Seek to change your mind about the world, and that is the healing. And then we see the world differently when we change our mind about it. So we don't have to figure out how to change our mind about it. We simply have to say, I'm interested in only the truth, because the truth is my freedom road. So throughout our days, we begin to look at where are we attracted to a story we know we made up. If everything works together for our good, doesn't mean everything was well-intentioned, but everything does work together for our good. I see it so easily now looking back upon my life. Like this boyfriend broke up with me. And that one broke up with me. They set me free in ways that I couldn't understand back then. Because I loved them so much, I would have made myself smaller to stay in that relationship. I would have compromised my calling to the truth in order to stay in those relationships. I couldn't do that now. I could not do that now. But I could do it then. And I didn't understand that so much of the pain I was experiencing was simply because I was willing to diminish myself. I was willing to play small. I was willing to try to figure out how to rearrange the deck chairs on my Titanic I was willing to go down with the ship, and that was excruciating, but I didn't understand. I thought it was excruciating because I can't live if living is without you, you know, because I was in that mindset, Of pain and suffering. I didn't understand. And that is the whole thing. If we're upset. If we're in pain. If we're in fear. If we're in misery. We have no clue as to what is really going on. So instead of trying to figure it out from within the swamp. We simply turn it over to the Holy Spirit for healing. And then we rise up. Oh boy, do we rise up. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to your brother and return to you with what love sees. So how we hold in our mind our brothers and sisters, that is going to transform our view of ourselves, our view of life, because love is refreshing. Love is renewing. Why is it so refreshing and so renewing? Because it is what we are. So when we are holding loving thoughts about our brothers and sisters, we are having a healing within our awareness. Jesus goes on to say, Love too would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. I just realized I skipped over uh, two important sentences. We need them here. So, love's messengers have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead. Think of all the attack thoughts we sent. So, love's messengers, they are ours. They are in our mind. Holy Spirit is constantly feeding us. These messengers of love, of light, these impulses to share the love, extend the love, be the love, express the love, and most importantly, see the perfection and the Christ within each being. So Jesus says, They have been given, these messengers of love, they have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead. And they go forth to signify the end of fear. So when you are feeling those loving impulses, this is signifying the end of fear. You can always go back to fear. But the thing is, right now, I know that is a possibility, but not really because I have zero interest in living in the fear, in the guilt, in the blame, in the shame. I just can't. I can't. I can't even, as I say today. So then it goes to, love too would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth, set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. Think of the 23rd Psalm. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right, in the part before that, the well, the whole 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters, he restoreth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes. So beautiful, so true, so powerful. So back to... Chapter 19, Section 4A, 16th paragraph. Love, too, would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing, a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast that honors your holy relationship and at which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long ago I promised and promise still. For in your new relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. So he's bringing us back to the power of the holy relationship. People are afraid to take their special relationships and turn them over to that higher Holy Spirit self, to Jesus, for the healing and transformation because they don't want the relationship to change. Think how egotistically insane that is. No judgment, but it's just that's how convincing and conniving the ego is. Now, why is that special relationship so attractive, so magnetic and appealing? It's because we believe we are lacking. We believe we are incomplete and that this special relationship will complete us. So it's a complete falsehood. We're already complete. It's a total falsehood. We are already complete. It's the belief that we're incomplete and that someone else could complete us. That is the challenge. And when we feel that sense of unworthiness, the guilt, the shame, the not good enough, then we are ripe for falling into the pit that is a special relationship, an ego based relationship. Ego based relationships are guaranteed to be disappointing, to be unfulfilling, and to end in madness, in disappointment, in suffering. However, If we're willing to transform that relationship into a holy relationship, we can have a blissful experience. We can have a deeply healing and transformative experience. Our willingness is all that's required. So if you have a relationship with your child, with your parent, with your lover, with your friend, with your co-worker, anybody in this world that is not profoundly holy and fulfilling... Turn it over to the Holy Spirit. Turn it over. Be willing to have a holy relationship. The Holy Spirit will transform the relationship. It may not look like you'd like it to look from an ego-based point of view. However, when the holy relationship is now what you're experiencing, you will not, and I promise you, you will not for one second wish that it were different. That's the truth of it. That is the truth of it. And I've seen people do this. People come into masterful living and they are ready for divorce, they are ready for all kinds of um, drama and trauma in their relationships. They are miserable from the drama and trauma of their relationships, and they begin turning them over to the Holy Spirit, doing the inner work of transformation that is outlined in A Course in Miracles. We do it together, and the healing happens. To me, there's nothing sweeter, nothing more precious than someone being so, so grateful that they have a holy relationship. The joy of the holy relationship is unimaginable when we're in that special relationship. I mean, you just think of what Jesus is saying here. In the holy instance... Instant grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion and I will join you there as long ago I promised and promise still for in your new relationship am I made welcome and where I am made welcome there I am so it's the same relationship but it's a new relationship because it has a new purpose a new foundation A new impetus. So precious. He says, I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me. For I became the symbol of your sin. And so I had to die instead of you. Think about that. I became the symbol of your sin. Isn't that what is taught In the New Testament, right? That's what Paul, the proselytizer, was teaching to the Romans. I died for your sins. The Romans put Jesus to death. And then Jesus says, I died for your sins to the Romans. To the Romans. Paul in his epistles, makes this clear. But it's not true. Jesus did not die for our sins. But he became the symbol. He became the symbol of it. That's... Talk about a crime, right? A crime making Jesus the symbol of our sins. You know, that's a bold political move right there. So, and we all have participated in it in one lifetime or another so we only can forgive ourselves for our freedom. I don't know about you, but for myself, I have truly had many experiences where I recognized ...that I perpetrated falsehoods as a religious leader in past lives. So I used to have so much um, anger towards religious leaders in this life. And I'm so grateful that I've forgiven myself for whatever happened in the past... And then I don't have to have hatred or anger or resentment towards anybody in this life now. Hallelujah. 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 Because I had that strong as a child and as a teenager and as an adult. And I am grateful to let that go. Well, it's time for me to go take a break. And just uh, 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 a reminder... You're listening to Jennifer Hadley. Uh, that's my name. And we're talking about A Course of Miracles, The Obstacles to Peace. And I'll be right back. Don't go away. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. It's funny to say, don't go away, I'll be right back, isn't it? Because we're listening to these recordings in a podcast form. Nobody's going anywhere. It's just on our devices. <laughs> but this used to be a live broadcast radio program, ra- internet radio on the Unity Network. And uh, now I am preparing to launch an A Course of Miracles podcast network so I'll tell you more about that as we get closer to that it's coming very soon now right now I'm focused on registration for masterful living for this year and it is closing on Monday January 23rd Monday January 23rd that's when we have our first class that's when registration closes so we have a money-back guarantee. You can come try us out. If it's not for you, you don't have a commitment. And if you would like to have a Course of Miracles community to do this transformational work this year, please come and join us. As I have said before, this year numerologically, it's a seven-year. That's the number of spirit. That's the number of truth. So I'm inviting you to make spirit Your spiritual practice, your spiritual life, the highest priority this year. Make You will never regret it. There's so much support for us to do this. Let's do it together. I'm so grateful that we even can. Oh my goodness. We are so blessed to live in this time of liberation. I am so grateful for the liberation that I feel unfolding each and every day. Oh my goodness. And if you go look at uh, JenniferHadley.com, look at the Masterful Living page, you can book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors there. They can answer any and all of your questions about the curriculum, about how it works, and ah, uh, I'm just beyond over the moon for the transformation that's coming forth for us this year. Yes, yes, yes. So let's go back to the attraction of guilt as an obstacle to peace. He is talking about how he became a symbol of this our our sins. Jesus died for your sins. He became that symbol. So this to me is one of the greatest falsehoods perpetrated upon humankind. That we would believe this about this great avatar who came for our liberation and to teach us that there is no sin. That sin is an egoic concept that has no basis in reality. And so (laughs) we've been tricked. And it's To me, it's extremely important for us, for you and me, to undo the attachment to this belief that we are sinners and to set our teacher free from having become the symbol of our sin. So, we can do that by, first of all, Not calling anyone else a sinner. And look, let's just say, if we say that person is an a-hole, that's really saying they're a sinner. If we're saying that that person is a loser, that's really a way of saying that they're a sinner. And then, of course, we are going to be feeling guilty for having borne false witness against our brothers and sisters, right it it is blasphemous in a sense not that we should ever be published published <laughs> punished for blaspheming in that way no correction is the way and that's what jesus is offering us here He says, I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me, for I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death. And so atonement is achieved through murder. All right, so sin means death, it's the death of the spiritual. It's the death of the Christ. When we impose the belief of sin onto someone, we we can't do that and see the Christ in them. So if we can't see the Christ in our brother, we can't see it in ourselves. And then we are doomed to walk this earth believing that we are sinners. Atonement is the remembrance that we are one with each other. One with each other, that all that there is. So to the ego, sin means death, death of the Christ. And so atonement is achieved through murder. That when we murder, the when we... It, 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 see the sinner in our brothers and sisters that's we project it onto them then to the ego then there's atonement he says salvation is looked upon as a way by which the son of God was killed instead of you with this belief that Jesus is the only son of God rather than all humanity is the son of God he says, yet would I offer you my body, you whom I love, knowing its littleness? Would I offer you my body, you whom I love, knowing its littleness? Would he offer the crucifixion of the body as a way out of the belief in sin or a way out of our belief that we are sinners when he puts no investment in the body, except as a learning tool. He says, or what I teach, the bodies cannot keep us apart. Mine was of no greater value than yours, no better means for communication of salvation, but not its source. So the body is not a source of anything. He says, no one can die for anyone and death does not atone for sin. But you can live to show it is not real. The body does appear to be the symbol of sin while you believe that it can get you what you want. So one of the things in uh, our Masterful Living program is we do work on the body and our relationship with the body and understanding uh, our, how, how the body can be helpful to us and how we become identified with the body. How we can become disidentified with the body so that we are identified with spirit. Because the body appears to be the symbol of sin while you believe that it can get you what you want. So just think about your own life experience. Have there ever been, has there ever been a time in your life... When you were trying to achieve things with your body because you thought it would get you what you want in this world, have there been times in your life when you were trying to achieve things with the body because you thought it would get you what you want in this world? I'd be shocked if you said no. Of course, I can't hear your answer, Uh, uh, you know, with my ears, but I can feel that we we are alike in that there have been times when manipulating the body, we thought we'd get what we want because if we were more fit, we'd be more attractive. If we were thinner, we'd be more attractive. If we weighed more, I, I have a, a friend I haven't seen in a very long time who wore uh, sweatpants under his jeans to, to hide how thin he was. And I've definitely known people who felt they were way too thin and it wasn't attractive. And so they were trying to gain weight. And people who think they're too short or too tall or too this or too that, it's just, it's the false beliefs projected onto the body. And then the body takes on those beliefs that it demonstrates because we're always going to see with what we're looking with so if we think we're unattractive we're going to look in the mirror and see unattractive whether anybody else thinks we're attractive or not it doesn't matter we don't believe it that and then I've worked with people who have body dysmorphia and as a counselor and it's um It's tragic, really. People are so convinced that if they could look different in their body, that they would be happy. But that's just not how this life works, and it never will be. (sighs) He says, The body does appear to be the symbol of sin while you believe that it can get you What you want. So as long as we think the body can get us what we want. We are also going to think of the body as being the symbol of sin. Our sin. So it's going to reinforce the fact that we're a sinner. Let's face it. If we'd like to lose weight and we think we're overweight. Then we think we're sinning in the form of um, whatever meaning we're making of the weight. That's the sin. And we just keep affirming it, affirming it, because we're walking around believing we're a body, we're inside the body. The body is what we are. It's part of who we are, but it is not. It is not, and nor could it ever be. And it's interesting that we've come to this time, if you've never seen the movie Ready Player One, it's a Steven Spielberg movie, Uh, I I recommend that you watch it to understand the idea of an avatar uh, in the gaming sense of avatar, not in the sense of like Jesus was an avatar, Buddha was an avatar. No, avatar is being a symbol that represents you in a um, virtual reality virtual world. So Ready Player One, it's a Steven Spielberg movie. It's pretty good and it will just help you. I I think the Holy Spirit brings forth these movies to help us understand our situations, our circumstances, our life, our thinking, our egoic attachments, etc. While you believe, he says, that the body can give you pleasure, you will also believe the body can bring you pain. To think you could be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself and to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your life complete. So it's I, I think of the idea of I suffer, therefore I am. Right? That suffering can give meaning to our life, so we think. And it's important to understand what he says here. If you believe that the body can give you pleasure, you will believe it can give you pain. Aren't we all convinced that the body gives us pain and pleasure? What if we were willing to let that belief go? Holy Spirit, teach me, show me that it's not the body that gives me pleasure or pain. It's my thoughts about the body that give me pleasure or pain. My thoughts about what my experience is, what's happening. That's what gives me pleasure or pain. Think of the people who have phantom pain. So they're amputees and they believe that there's pain. They feel there's a sense of pain where the amputation happened. But it's all made up. It's not real. It's not true. To think you could be satisfied And happy with so little is to hurt yourself. And to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your life complete. So when we believe that we could be happy with so little, then we are increasing our pain. If we let the pain be part of what makes our life complete, we are assuring the pain will continue. He says, this is completion as the ego sees it. For guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. I I know sometimes when I'm working with a counseling client or someone in one of the programs, uh, I'll say to them, Oh, what a wonderful success you've had with this or that. Well, yeah, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. It's not so great. Um, I had someone say to me once, Oh, all this attention for my birthday, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't need it. And so I was thinking, Yeah, I, I don't need a lot of attention for my birthday but isn't it lovely to give people an opportunity to express how much they adore you and love you? And 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 this person was saying, I just don't need all these gifts. It feels like a burden, all these gifts that people are giving me. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sounds like there's a, a false belief there that could be healed. And what about saying, I can totally receive other people's love and attention and care and kindness, their enthusiasm. It's wonderful to be able to do that and not feel guilty. So that's it. The person who was saying these things, I don't like all this attention, I don't like all these gifts, I don't need it, is to me expressing a sense of guilt, Give this attention to somebody else. Give this gift to somebody else. I don't need it. Not that they're not worthy of it, but I don't need it. It's too much. I don't like it. Well, if you boil down that feeling of I don't like it, I'm uncomfortable with it, what's really there? Is it guilt? I can't say for sure for that person But when I look at my own experiences and my own emotions in the past, I would say, yes. It's a guilt. I don't deserve this. This is too much. I am not worthy of this much attention, this much love, this much care. Hmm... Something to think about. How do you respond when people would like to shower you with love? Do you feel like you can receive it comfortably? Or does it trigger the unconscious guilt? If it triggers the unconscious guilt, remember we're talking about the obstacles to peace here and the attraction of guilt. That guilt can even get into the enjoyable aspects of our life and our relationships in ways that we don't even see, we don't even recognize. And this is about bringing it to the light. So if you get triggered into unconscious guilt, Oh no, you, you don't need to do that. No, 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 no. Uh, I'd like to take you out to dinner. No, 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 no. No, I'll pay. No, no, no. Let's split it then. No, let me take you. And when it becomes into that kind of a thing, isn't the unconscious guilt, the undeserving, the beliefs in undeserving, I'm a sinner, I don't deserve your love, your attention, your affection, your gifts, I don't deserve any of it. If that's getting triggered, watch for it, because it's an opportunity to heal it. Nothing bad is happening. Something good is happening when that stuff is triggered because you'll be able to offer it up to that higher Holy Spirit self for healing. He says here, guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. So guilt and shame, such low vibrational thoughts and feelings. Let's make this the year, the time in our lives, whatever, you know, whenever you're listening to this, um, Let's make this time in our lives the time when we are focused on giving up the attraction to guilt. Because among the people that feel very guilty, there can be this sense of righteousness in the guilt Yes, I'm guilty, but at least I know I'm guilty. I don't feel good about myself. There can be, it's the self effacing, it's the, the, um, Just saying, oh, no, no, I'm not that good. No, no, please, I'm not that talented. No, I'm not that nice. I'm not that attractive. I'm not, oh, this dress is an old thing. It's nothing. Don't, please don't compliment me. Please don't pay attention to me. Please, I can't, I can't, because it's triggering the guilt. We don't deserve the praise. We don't deserve the affection. We don't deserve the gifts. We don't deserve the compliments, We don't deserve the care, and it is not true for us. It is not true. It is never going to be true. And it's such an ego game to be in that space of, I don't deserve this. Take this away from me. Ah, no, I'm uncomfortable. We need to be aware when we're thinking these thoughts because we can give them to the Holy Spirit and let them go forever, forever, forever. He goes on to say, communion is another kind of completion, which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. So that's what we're interested in. We're interested in communion with our brothers and sisters, communion with spirit. And to me, this is one of the most valuable things I have in my life is I have friends. I've cultivated prayer partners for decades and my, they're my friends, of course, my closest friends. And in our conversations, in our dialogues, they are 100% supportive. There's no blaming. There's no shaming. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. You know, and if sometimes there is a judgment, like um, once uh, one of my friends was saying, hey, look at this great sweater I got I love this what do you think of it and I had to be honest and I said I'll be honest I don't really like it on you I don't and I said I just I don't know I don't like that neckline and I I think it looks a little frumpy and I don't think it's pretty enough beautiful enough For you (laughs) I said You know If you're wearing it To clean out the garage Or whatever But I I just I've got to be honest I I can't say that I love it on you And But I, I, I There was no really know like oh you shouldn't wear that's not a good thing enjoy it wear it I've got things that look a little frumpy on me and I wear them and that's exactly what I said to my friend and I'm comfortable in them and that's fine I'm not wearing it to uh you know Out to a dinner party, I'm wearing it around the house and nobody sees it but me, (laughs) something like that. And so, yes, I could say it's a judgment that I think it's frumpy on my friend. But sometimes, you know, when it comes to art, to music, to design and things like that, to colors and shape and all of that, we have our perceptions and so that's what I was sharing. But I don't have any feeling about she should or shouldn't wear it. It doesn't matter to me. It only matters to her. But she asked me, "What do I think?" That's what I think. She could do better. <laughs> it's so good to be in a place where it doesn't matter. Like it, and there are things that I wear I'm sure she would say, "Ah, you could do better." That's life. No big deal, right? Oh, my goodness. Real quick, a reminder, Masterful Living Registration is about to close. We do have a money-back guarantee. You, if you find it's not for you, you can always leave. Book an exploratory call if you have questions. Details at JenniferHadley.com We are grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines through our heart and mind. And we are grateful to go back to our original instructions of peace, love, joy. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen.